Well, hello, hello. It is good to see you again, and welcome back to the Retirement Playbook. I'm your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff, and as always, we've got our star of the show in Mr. Brian Spicer of Spicer Wealth Management. He'll be joining me in just a moment, and we're going to be diving into another wealth management-related topic because that's what we tackle here on the show. And for today's episode, we've got a really, really interesting topic that we're going to be diving into, and and. To set the scene, if you will, as we age, many of us will begin to experience some sort of cognitive decline. It could be major in some instances, or it could be minor, but cognitive decline can creep into the picture. So today, Brian and I are going to be examining different ways to potentially safeguard your assets and your financial portfolio overall from any wealth-destroying mental money mistakes that could creep into play. So. We're going to be acknowledging some different factors to consider and then, of course, some steps you can take before that time, that cognitive decline, may ever set in. So with that being said, let's go ahead and bring Brian on and get right into it. Brian, it's good to see you this morning. How are you doing, sir? Good, Ryan. Good to see you. Yeah, always good to be with you, Brian. I know this is a really big topic and just a general theme of a lot of conversations that you have with your clients over at Spicer Wealth Management. And Brian, let's just start at a high level here to open up the dialogue today. I think it's it's tough to admit it, frankly, but the fact is that many people do lose their ability to make well-informed financial decisions over time, don't they? I mean, set the scene for us, if you will, on this. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, age is is not uh, a friend of ours. It's a foe uh, for all of us. And, you know, there's been a lot of research done in this topic, as, as we, and we'll kind of delve into that as we go through this. But it's not a question of do we lose our cognitive abilities? It's a question of when does it start? You know, most people uh, hit their peaks as far as financial decisions in their early 50s mid 50s, but then it kind of hits the apex and it starts to decline. And, and there's a lot of studies done as a result of that. But uh, it, it's very, very important to make sure that while we have our abilities to make legally binding decisions on our for ourselves, we want to be able to make sure that we've got the proper documentation in play to be able to handle whatever the situation may be. And that's kind of what this topic is about. Yeah, yeah, Brian, do you ever find, I mean, it's kind of staying high level here, have you seen firsthand, you know, what a loss of that mental sharpness can mean when it comes to those financial matters and making the decisions around our wealth overall? Yeah, I mean, we, it's unfortunate that, you know, if we have a person that hasn't done the proper planning and then all of a sudden they're, now they're in a memory unit at a facility or that they've died and we, we're dealing with the heirs and the financial hardship that the, those those people are trying to pick up the pieces and trying to put everything together. Uh, there's many, many steps that could have been taken ahead of time had that person that passed or was, was uh, mentally incapacitated, they could have done ahead of time. And that's what we'll talk about here today is what are some of the steps that we can do ahead of time to make sure that all those things are done so that in case somebody had to step into my shoes, they can do that whether I'm alive and I'm mentally incapacitated or whether I have passed and I'm no longer on the right side of the dirt, as they say. <laughs> sure, sure. And Brian, let's let's get into that, some of those yeah. steps. What 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 can people be doing out there to potentially mitigate that risk of making some of those mental errors? Uh, what maybe is a foundational key that you found uh, to kind of start us off here today? 
Well, one of the first things is to start the discussion as early as possible, why you've got your capacity, you know, in the 40s, 50s, people, that seems to be a good time to, to if, that if you haven't done it already, go back, review those documents that are in place to make sure that all the I's are dotted, T's are crossed, making sure that you've had the conversations with the people you love and care for. Um, but you want to start as early as possible why you've got the mental capacity and, and doing that. And, and a lot of times it, it's a matter of the process of, of simplifying your affairs. I mean, as an example, one of the things that's very easy to do is just to simplify your life, you know, from a financial standpoint. I mean, I've had people come in and they've got bank accounts with 10 different banks, you know, let's get it down to, and simplify it down to one bank that you like, have a money market account that you like, have, you know, have one wealth advisor, have one, you know, one of everything so that people can actually get better informed about what your goals are, what you're trying to do and help guide you in those processes to make it simpler for you to understand what your options are, what, what the advantages and disadvantages of those options are, and then start the implementation process. But simplifying mm -hmm. your life is probably one of the things that we find is the key, a key component that if somebody came in and, and you didn't have anything laid out, they had to go digging through all your files to find out where you keep things and stuff. It, it becomes a real, real nightmare. Yeah, yeah. So I'm hearing start as early as you can. And then when you're starting, get into that kind of clutter reduction, if you will, that big idea of just simplifying your financial life. Uh, any easy steps on how somebody can do that and begin simplifying? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, make, make, decision, make decisions of, first of all, who you want to be involved in your decision making. You may have a different person that's going to be managing your finances compared to making healthcare decisions. I mean, I'll use me as an example. I've got a brother-in-law that's a business owner. I've got him as my power of attorney for financial, but but you know, I've got a nurse and a doctor that's on my financial, uh, my healthcare power of attorney side. So you know, you want to have different people play different roles, but you want to have those conversations ahead of time as to what it is that you've accomplished, what got you to making these financial decisions that you've made. But more importantly, what it is you want to be done in the future for you in case you're not in the mental capacity to make those decisions, or if you're, you know, not a, on the right side of the door, as I mentioned earlier, you know, that you've passed and you don't want the probate judge having to intersect and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. you know, making, making, having those conversations with the people, making sure they have a good understanding of what you're trying to accomplish, how you got to where you are. And then what you want done in the future is key component. Uh, and, and then, uh, you know, we can kind of go into uh, another item that we find is a misnomer that people don't have a good financial inventory set up. Uh, you know, it, it's a common mistake that, you know, okay, fine, you've named me and you, we've had this conversation six months ago or three years ago, but where is this stuff and how do I get to it? And, you know, all this stuff. And so, we want to have a, a detailed inventory of the assets that you've accumulated, you know, where they are, where they're located. We want to know, you know, any debts that you have, any mortgages or outstanding 
obligations that you have on a reoccurring basis. You know, where's your life insurance policies being kept? You know, where do you keep your yeah. lockbox key for the safety deposit box? Where and, and all this on an inventory, who are the key people that are in your life? You know, who's your family physician? Who's your attorney? Who's your CPA? You know, those kind of things are all key components to be down on that inventory sheet so that somebody stepping into your shoes can continue your wishes the way that you wanted them done. Yeah. Yeah, Brian, I like the idea of this inventory sheet, kind of a one-stop shop, if you will, for all of your information. And and I want to also go back just a quick moment. You were mentioning just the people, right, that are surrounded yes. by you in these moments. So we're talking about, you know, your advisors, of course, but, you know, family members are going to come into that equation as well. So, Brian, when you're going through this process, maybe you're creating that inventory that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the dialogues, particularly with your advisors and with those family members that are around you in these moments, how important would you say is it to just be open and honest about your financial situation, about the various elements at play here uh, with respect to this whole idea of cognitive decline, you know, potentially setting in down the road? How open should those conversations be and how important are they overall? They, Brian, they should be as candid as you can make them. And, and I can't stress that enough because the more detail that they have as to why you've accomplished what you've accomplished, but more importantly, what you want done and why you want that done is going to help them make those decisions a lot easier instead of it being, well, he talked about this, then he went to this and he went to that. And you don't, you don't want that ambiguity in play. You want it to be very cut and dry and you want it to be as candid as possible so that it doesn't matter what the person that, that you're entrusting what they their goals and objectives are, you want to make sure they understand what your goals and objectives are and what you want done in case something happens so that they can carry out your wishes the way that you would have done it had you had the ability in the future to do that. Yeah, really, really a good point. And Brian, you had also started to mention a few of those really important formal, maybe even legal documents and, and items that need to be considered. Would you care to just kind of circle back, walk us through what some of those documents uh, really look like uh, and really maybe the most important ones people should be considering? Well, you know, there's really probably five documents that you, you should have in your legal toolkit. I, that's what I, I refer to it as. I mean, a lot of people may have a will, but it was written way back when, when the kids were born and, you know, God knows it's never been seen the light of day. And a will, it, a will is an important document because it is a list of your instructions on who's going to get your assets upon your passing. But a will doesn't come into play until you die. You know, that's, that's a real negative from my perspective. You know, but you want to have a good financial power of attorney. Who's empowered to make the financial decisions when you're not able to do so? You know, what about the healthcare situation? You know, if I'm on the operating table and they're taking out my appendix and they see my gallbladder is ready to go, they'll say, who's got the healthcare power of attorney to make that decision? They're not going to wake me up off the table and say, hey, Brian, we found this. What do you want us to do? You know, that it just doesn't happen. And then what extraordinary means do we want to carry out if you're on end of life issues, like, you know, a living will document in some states, they, they, they have that as a separate document, other states, they combine it with the healthcare power of attorney. But that's, you know, the Terry Shivo case in, in Florida was, was a, a 
a big, big eye opener for a lot of people. But, you know, what extraordinary means do I want to have? Do I want the respirator? Do I want extraordinary means to keep me alive? Do I want do I want to pull the plug? You know, what what quality of life do I want to have? And I want to make sure that somebody really understands that and has the power to do that. So a living will is very important. And the last document that we find is probably the one that I'm the most favorable for. I mean, even though the financial power of attorney and healthcare power of attorney and the living will documents are, are, are key components, but the, the one document that I re recommend most people consider is a revocable living trust. Now, why a revocable living trust? Well, one, it keeps your affairs private and confidential. You don't have to worry about the probate judge being involved in, in the dis distribution of your assets, but more importantly, it deals with disability. You know, if I lose my abilities to make these decisions, what kind of care do I want to be kept in, in the future? And who's got the power to make those decisions? And, you know, we always want to have a, like a family panel or the de legal definition to licensed medical, medical practitioners making that decision of am I, am, am I competent or not? But, you know, I like the family panel, people that know me and know my idiosyncrasies to make that decision for me. But they would be the ones that making the decisions of what end of life situations would I be needing and that kind of stuff. But those are the, the main key component mm -hmm. legal documents that we would recommend people to consider having in their toolkit so that they, they know that these are the people that are important to me. These are the people that are empowered to keep my affairs going. This is what I want done in the future. A lot of good stuff here, Brian. Appreciate you kind of walking through all those documents there. Um, you know, Brian, on this show, we obviously talk a lot about the strategies, the solutions, the good stuff, right? But mm -hmm. at the same time, it's equally as important to also analyze some of the mistakes that are are made along the way by folks out there, because obviously there's value that can be taken from yes. those lessons. So Brian, with respect to, you know, smart money moves to make, before, you know, while mm -hmm. you're still mentally sharp, are there any steps that you find that people may overlook or make a mistake on? Maybe they don't implement them as well as they could if they had the right, you know, guidance along the way. Well, probably the biggest mistake that we find is they've got the people in place, they've got all that stuff, but they don't know where they're going to go to get the information. So, example, I mean, you know, that financial in that that inventory that we talked about earlier should also be that person should know where's this document held? Is it in, in an electronic file or is it on paper somewhere? Where do I go to get this information? You know, where are the, the life insurance policies in place? Where are the annuity policies in place? Where, you know, who are the who are the people that are your advisors, you know, your attorney, your CPA, your physician? Who are who are those people in play so that we can have a conversation with them? in addition to finding the documents, but we find people do a, a good job of identifying who should be caring and have the power to be able to do these decisions, but then they don't tell them where the information is. You know, so, you know, having a list of your passwords, I mean, my gosh, the, the, the digital age that we're in now, you know, you've got to go to the web to get this, that, or the other. What are the passwords that you used and what custodians are you using? And, and how do I get that information? We want to make sure that that person has access to all that stuff so that they can make good decisions 
knowing that they've got the power to do that, but they, they need the documentation to be able Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Yeah, no, right, right. That is such an important one. I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, just knowing where things are for those yes. people that are going to be in, you know, at your side, boy, is that so important. Thank you, Brian. So Brian, you know, as we're kind of bringing our conversation to a head here today, uh, the mm -hmm. bottom line is that th there is good news, right? There's so much that people can be doing right now. In fact, to set themselves up for success should that day of cognitive decline creep into the picture. So, Brian, if you want to just kind of bottom line it for us one more time surrounding this idea of, hey, there are, there are things that you can be doing. It can be done now. Any final messages for our audience before we sign off today? Well, as, as I mentioned, you know, time is not a, a friend. It's a foe because as we're all getting older, it's inevitable that we're all going to face that situation where we're just not as sharp as what we used to be in managing our finances and making decisions. We may be a little slower in how we're, we're doing that. And you want to start as young as possible in making sure that all the I's are dotted, T's are crossed in all of your affairs to make sure that you've got the right people handling the right decisions, knowing the way that you want it done in the future, and they're going to carry out your wishes. And, and the earlier we can get that done, the better, because unfortunately, we're just not all, I mean, time is, is a villain to us. You know? and, yeah, and we're yeah. all going to be facing some sort of cognitive decline at some point during our, our aging process. And, and it's just better to get it done while we, we do have the, the faculties to be able to make those decisions. Sure. And Brian, you know, we didn't necessarily mention this, but I think it's worth calling attention to is the fact that this there's a lot that goes on in this process, right? It can be a little daunting to take that first step for somebody that may not have been actively you know, drawing up a will, going through some of these mm -hmm. processes that are on that inventory sheet you mentioned. So, Brian, for our audience out there that is hearing today's conversation, they're thinking to themselves, oh, geez, I've got a lot to do and I got a lot to do now. Sure. Brian, yeah. what would be the best way they could reach out to, let's say, you and your team, you know, for a helping hand maybe sure. in this process or at least sure. just guidance along the way? What would be the best way they can get in touch with you guys? We'd be more than happy to have them call our office at 937 426-3836 or go to our website spicerwealth.com and you know they can get a contact with us that way and we can help guide them through this whole process because you know whether they work with us as a client or not is not the important part the important part is that they get their wishes down on paper and they get a process in place that somebody is going to be able to follow very easily and we've got all those tools available at our disposal Agreed. Well, hey, Brian, look, I appreciate you carving some time out of your day to be with us here on the show today. I know you've sure. got clients to serve. You're a busy man. We'll let you get back to your day. Uh, but appreciate you taking the time and uh, looking forward to being back with you on the next one. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Of course, of course. And hey, look, we want to take one final moment here today and thank you guys. And that's our audience for spending some time with us here on the show today. If you took anything away from today's conversation and you benefited from it in any way, shape or form, go ahead and subscribe to the show on whichever platform you checked us out on today. That way you never miss out on a future conversation between Brian and I where we are, where we tackle really a big wealth management related topic. And I've said it before on this show, and I'll say it again. It, we're really just diving into the strategies, the solutions, really the conversations that Brian is having on a regular basis with his clients over at Spicer Wealth Management, or we're bringing them right here to you guys on this show. 
So for Brian, I'm Ryan. We're going to go ahead and say so long, but we appreciate you stopping by and being with us on the Retirement Playbook.